0: Well, last week, we learned what to do if our brother sins, even against us personally, and refuses to repent. The procedure we're to follow was carefully laid out by our Lord. If a brother sins, we are to go to him privately and confront him with his sin. If he refuses to acknowledge it and repent, we are then to take one or two others with us and confront him again. If that fails, the church as a whole is to confront him. And if he refuses to listen to the church, he is to be excommunicated, disfellowshipped, until he comes to his senses and repents. If at any time during the process he does repent, we are, of course, to forgive him. Sometimes forgiving our brother is even harder than confronting him. Peter apparently recognized this fact, and it led to the question... Picking up our study in Matthew 18. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Peter realized it's not easy to forgive someone, especially when they continually sin against you. Now, the first time it's, Usually not too hard. Anyone can make a mistake. But surely there has to be a point where you say, enough is enough. Peter suggested seven might be that point. And in Luke 17, when Jesus teaches again on this topic, it almost seems that he agrees. He says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. He uses the number seven, but I trust you caught the a day. (laughs) Apparently, the apostles caught it because they responded by exclaiming, increase our faith. Let's go back to Matthew 18, verse 22. Jesus responded to Peter by saying, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, the NIV says 77 times, and the manuscripts are split here. Some say 70 times seven, and some say 70 plus seven. But either way. 490 times, or 77 times, it's more often than anyone would want to keep record of. And that's the point. A point confirmed by Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, where he writes, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Peter suggests seven times. And Jesus, in effect, says there is no limit. If we don't want God to set a limit on us, we better not set limits on the forgiveness we offer to others. And we better make certain that we do forgive our brother when he sins against us. Jesus makes this very clear in the parable. For this reason... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made." The slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Let's let's stop there. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to. This is a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The earthly story is about a king and a slave that had been entrusted with a good portion of the king's treasury. Apparently, the slave had been given the freedom to invest for the king or was responsible for paying the the king's bills. Whatever his specific responsibility, he blew it big time in an audit was conducted, it was discovered that he had misappropriated 10,000 talents. Now, a talent is a measure of weight and usually of silver. 10,000 talents of silver is generally estimated to be worth $10 million. But with inflation and the fluctuating price of precious metals, it may have been even closer to a billion dollars in today's buying power. Now, obviously, this wasn't a personal loan from the king. And there's obviously no way a slave could ever repay this amount. So the king decided to do what he could and get what he could from a pound of flesh. He commanded that the man, his wife, and his children be sold along with whatever assets that he did have, and the king would recoup What he could. But the slave prostrated himself before the king. And he begged for patience, saying, I will repay you everything. Now, how silly is that? (laughs) There was no way he could ever repay a billion dollars. And the king knew it. But he felt sorry for him. He felt sorry for the slave. He felt compassion. And he released him. He forgave him the debt. He didn't say, okay, I'll let you work off the debt. He canceled the debt. The king wrote off a billion dollars. And this was during a time when the total annual revenue of Palestine would have been less than 10% of that amount. This is big bucks. You can imagine the man's relief. His joy over such a generous act of forgiveness. And you'd think that that generosity would have flown right through him to others. But it didn't. Let's read on. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves... Who owed him a hundred denarii? And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, "Pay back what you owe me." So his fellow slaves, his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, "Have patience with me, and I will repay you." He was unwilling, however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. As soon as he was released and forgiven an unimaginable debt, he went out looking for a fellow slave who owed him. And he found one who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, this is often thought to be an insignificant amount. And in comparison to a billion dollars, it wasn't much, but it's, it's not pocket change. the denarii... Was the average labor's pay for a day. So we're talking about a hundred days' pay here. Could easily be $10,000. Anyway, when he found his debtor, he didn't just ask for his money back. He grabbed him by the throat and started yelling, Pay back what you owe me. His debtor responded, as he had responded to the king, he fell down at his feet and began pleading, Have patience with me and I will repay you. Now, you'd think that something would have clicked. Hmm, I've heard those words before. I said those words. You'd think he would have identified with this guy's plight and would have been moved to compassion as the king had toward him. But No. He had the guy thrown in debtor's prison and demanded that he stay there until he paid back what was owed him. Now, unless the prison had a lucrative cottage industry, chances of his being able to ever repay back $10,000 were slim to none. And the first slave knew it. So did the other slaves. Let's read on. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. The other slaves were shocked by this man's actions. They were grieved and reported to their Lord all that had happened. The Lord, too, was shocked and very angry. You wicked slaves! I forgave you a billion dollars because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had on you? The king expected that his grace would have an effect on the man. But it didn't. Apparently, the slave didn't recognize his forgiveness as grace, as something undeserved. He must have figured he was worth a billion dollars to the king. After all, he was one clever dude. Sure, he had lost a billion, but if given a chance, he could make it up. And he was like a gambler who just knows the next turn of the card will make up for all his losses. I think he was really serious when he said if the king would have patience, he would repay everything. Now, he wasn't counting on his slaves' wages to pay back the debt, but he was sure that he was clever enough to get himself out of the mess he was in. And in fact... It had been easier than he thought. One little act of contrition, and he was off the hook. He didn't even have to worry about paying back anything. Like some today, he'd been smart enough to use the system. He was bankrupt for the moment, but not for long. He knew someone who owed him ten grand. That would be enough to get him back on his feet. And if he could get back on his feet, he'd be off and running real soon. But his plan fell apart when he discovered his debtor couldn't pay him what was owed. So he threw him in prison. You know, it wasn't his fault if this guy wasn't smart enough to get out of it as he had. Besides, he had the legal right to have his debtor imprisoned. And if he didn't, other future debtors would think they could waltz on their debts as well. So, it wasn't personal. It was just good business. And everyone knows you've got to be hard in business if you're going to succeed. I'm sure he justified in his own mind everything he did. But the Lord, his Lord... Saw it differently. Moved with anger by his utter disregard for grace, the king had him handed over to the torturers until he should repay what was owed him. He didn't just have him put in prison, in debtor's prison. He had him tortured and went far beyond waterboarding. And the torturing was to last until the debt was paid. I trust you can figure out how long that would be. The parable's over. But Jesus didn't just leave it there. He continues with the warning. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Now, I find it interesting how blind one's theology can make him to the simple truth of God's Word. A very popular radio pastor and author of numerous commentaries on the New Testament wrote the following about this parable. It is important to note that the parable is not about salvation, for salvation is holy of grace and is unconditionally given. The parable deals with forgiveness between brothers, not between lost sinners and God. Let's read verse 35 again. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. I think it's pretty obvious. Jesus is talking about salvation here. The forgiveness God offers to us. And He's saying that if God's forgiveness doesn't change us and make us forgiving toward others, God's forgiveness is withdrawn from us. We must never forget, contrary to what some believe because of a theological position, God's promises and gifts are always conditional. They're conditioned by their terms and by their proper reception. Over and over again throughout all of the Bible, we find that God's promises are conditioned by the terms of the promise. And by the way, we receive and accept that promise. Didn't Jesus teach us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us in the same way and to the same measure that we forgive others. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. And then after teaching us to pray it, he went on to make it very clear. He said, for if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive you. Forgive your transgressions. Now, this isn't teaching that we can earn forgiveness by forgiving others. But what Jesus said here, and the parable we're looking at this morning, do make it very clear that we lose our forgiveness if we refuse to forgive. Why? Because our lack of forgiveness gives evidence to an unchanged heart. And if we can't find it in our heart to forgive others, all others, no matter what they've done to us, we've not fully experienced the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. He may have offered it and even granted it in the hopes that it would change us. But if we're not changed by it, he withdraws it. He withdraws it. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. He expects it to make a difference in our life. And if it doesn't, we lose it. That's why it's not enough to just say, okay, I'll take it. When forgiveness is offered. You must truly believe that you need it. And without it, you are doomed eternally. And that you could never save yourself. You could never pay back what you owe. Then, when you receive it... You'll appreciate it. And you will be changed by it. If you truly feel forgiven, you will be forgiving to others. You'll not be able to help it. So, if it's hard for you to forgive... Reexamine your own forgiveness. Remember what it cost Jesus to be able to forgive you. And you'll discover it's not all that hard to forgive your brother. If you have trouble forgiving anyone, just go back to Calvary. Amen.